I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched an extremely goofy movie. (laughs) The sequel to a goofy movie and... I guess in some ways, the finale of Goof Troop, if you want to view it that way. Sure. Um, who would like to give a spoiler-free plot synopsis of this movie? Um, I guess I'll try. Uh, is Max goes off to college, but of course, Goofy's very, very sad that he's going to be leaving. Pete, of course, doesn't seem sad <laughs> uh, that PJ's leaving. Anyway, the, the the kids go off to college, and then we see Goofy sad at his job, but then shenanigans happen, and Goofy gets fired. Then the only way that he can get another job, apparently, is to get a to finish college. He had three years of college, so he ends up at the same college as Max. Not a good thing as far as Max and what Max is trying to accomplish, Max has a rival Gamma uh, house, you know, with with doing Bradley Uppercrust the Third. Yes, with uh, and and there's going to be a big competition, and of course, uh, all kinds of shenanigans with that. And yeah, so just kind of college life, seeing where how Goofy being in the same classes as Max and being on campus becomes a big issue, and things finally come to a head. Yeah, yeah. What did we think of this movie? Um, very cringy early on in a way that wasn't <laughs> as endearing as it was in the first film. A- animation's obviously a bit lower quality. Music, big down turn. So... Uh, I didn't dislike the music as much, just laughing just... No, <laughs> no. that comes from my... Yeah, era. the cover... The covers, or, or even original, like, um, 70s, like, songs were good, but... The score itself yes. is bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Got it, got it, got it. I, I guess I'm okay seeing it the one time, but I probably won't want to see this again. Yeah, Not- I, th- I think it's extremely okay for the most part. <laughs> Um, and for me, I have had not seen it before. It was cute. It's not. I can't. It's not something that I'd want to watch again and again. But um, but I did. I did enjoy it. This first watch. Let's get specific. Let's start talking about the story and characters. I don't have any upfront fun, uh, fun facts this time. Um, this is just random. But I, you know, just having seen the other movie last time, I wasn't prepared for some reason for a for a teenage or college age Max. He was not nearly as cute, but then he grew on me because I was just like, I don't know why. Just for some reason, like, isn't it the like? It's been a summer, maybe. Like what? Elaborate. What do you mean? I don't know. I think just the proportion. She just didn't look as cute. He just he just looked. He he was too much of a cross between last time and Goofy, and like he was too initially Goofy like for me. But then you know, then again with them side by side, I mean, there's huge difference. But um, th- then his looks, then I got used to his looks. I don't know how to, it, it was 
lankier. He was, I don't know, he just didn't look like Max to me for some weird reason to start. And it took me a while. I mean, till he was at college for a while and and so forth uh, for me, I don't know, to, to think he was cute again. I don't know. Did you have this problem, babe? No. Uh, to me, honestly, the, the weird one was uh, Polly Shore's character, Bobby. Bobby. Mm, is that, yeah, is the, that the one? The just... jump from the yeah. original style to this one. Uh, I don't know. I guess the, la- the, the change in the lack of detail or the lack of, like, I don't know. You it know just, who you reminded me of? You were talking about the one that had the tummy yeah. and that like it was the, the one cheese. like the cheese. Um, he reminded me of the the poodle on All Dogs Go to Heaven. That is the sidekick kick of Scarface. Oh. That's who he reminded me of. <laughs> he so totally yes. reminded me of that guy. <laughs> um, I haven't seen this movie that much, but I guess I've seen it enough to where I d- it just looks like. Max and Bobby to me. I don't. I mean, I don't they know. look like that. I don't. I did. I didn't have any issues transitioning from Goofy Movie to this one in terms of their visual design. I think it's just like the quality of the animation for me. Sure. Yeah, I guess Max's kind of face style, face shape. It's harder to do at certain angles. Sure. Yeah. So, so I think it's just more evident in this one when it's not as good. Yeah. And maybe that was it. It may very well be when we get to the animation section after, you know, talking it over with you all. It may be that lack of maybe detail or something because of a difference in animation quality. I'm not sure what it was. And I don't mean that he, it wasn't as disturbing. He just didn't look like Max that much to me initially. And and I didn't like it because I really, you know, I really like Max. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um What'd you guys think of the really weird opening with Goofy and a gong? Just like as a way, why is that opening this movie? He looked, he was dressed like a character from Aladdin and it was just weird. Yeah, I think we'll have to mention it again in a different section because of that. But I'm just like, why did we open that way in general? Yeah. (laughs) Seemed like a weird choice. Yeah. And and like they have the the image from like the old Goofy cartoon shorts that he like hits a gong that that's on like the gong has that picture or whatever. And I'm like, are are we like it's like a Goofy short except a movie? Like, I don't know. It's weird and I don't understand its purpose. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. If you want to do something like that, I kind of would think his face there, but then the new Goofy busting through kind of like the... Yeah, the lion. I yeah. guess, but I guess yeah. it's just also weird to me because it insinuates that this is in line with the Goofy shorts rather than Goof Troop, which yeah. is a different thing. I don't know. It's weird. It's just a weird choice. Not sure why that was made. Yes, not there is also a valid and maybe superior choice. <laughs> just not have that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did like Goofy's moment of sadness after Max left, um, and I was glad that it didn't have any dialogue. Like him just kind of sadly walking through the house or whatever. It was a little marred by the music being over- overly saturated. Yeah. Um, but I liked that it was just kind of this sad scene where you had to kind of sit there with him existing in this space where it's just him now. Um, and sadly folding a sock and, and gripping the teddy bear. Yeah. 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 Uh, bringing that scene up again makes me question the, the story in a couple of places. Or like some of the stuff that they did right before that scene. It was Max packing. 
They brought up his teddy bear that, you know, we didn't see before in the other film. So this was a new thing. A new element. And also a gift that Goofy got Max was a handed down calculator, typewriter, something some like that. old timey machine that was his uh, grandpa's or dad's or something. The machine showed up in a dream later. The teddy bear didn't really do anything later. So to me, that was wasted time. It, it, it did. There was no follow through with it. So I, I think that's kind of indicative of, of how this story is. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call it wasted time so much as elements that aren't used to their full potential. Yeah. Because there's there's obviously purpose in it just in like the the typewriter or whatever. It just shows how out of touch he is with the current day and time and stuff and what he values versus what Max values. Um, the teddy bear can be like a, a, a symbol of the young Max that Goofy misses and that sort of thing. Like there's, there's elements to those that make sense why they they come up in the moment that they do, but they would have been a lot stronger had they had, had they tied into more of the movie, had they come up again in some way yeah. that kind of, firmed up their usage in the film as those symbols. Yeah, um, but so they kind of just, the teddy bear shows up in the scene where they're packing. And then in the scene where Goofy is sad immediately after it, the, and like you said, the typewriter is where, when he gives it to him and then in Goofy's dream later. Uh, so there's not, it, it's not real strong connective tissue, which just kind of overall makes the concepts weaker than they could be. Yeah. Like with a teddy bear, I can see, so uh, Goofy wanted Max like, oh, don't forget your teddy bear. Max is like, no, I don't need that. Uh, and he kind of throws it off. They, there's a little fight. We thought it would tear the bear, but it didn't. It I just, know. I was so relieved. <laughs> it just like fell off the side of the bed. Uh, then Max goes to sleep and we see him as he's drifting off, grab for the bear and hug it. And so there you have that kind of, I'm trying to grow up, be an adult. I don't need this. But in kind of a less guarded situation he reaches for it so that kind of push and pull between adulthood and youth yeah you know bear represents that sure he ultimately leaves the bear at home okay so he's deciding to grow up and if there, like you said if you were able to bring that back around to show that he kind of accepts who his father sees him as but is like i'm an adult yeah anything like that could have could have made that scene mean more throughout the whole of the film rather than just in that one instance um it was also a during that same scene the night that night it was really i really liked again goofy is so good being sad but he was there was the door cracked open and when you see max grab the teddy bear you saw goofy's tear-filled eyes and looking in and he's got a lot of emotions he does he does but but also as you mentioned it was i enjoyed there not being any dialogue with that and me just watching his emotions with that. yeah beret girl definitely has a vibe um part of her vibe is never getting a name for some reason despite being pretty prominent in the movie yeah pretty important to like a pivotal scene yeah Yeah. um but she's her intro scene she's definitely got a vibe to her yeah queen queen vibes Um, she is so great and then yeah the scene later where um 
Bradley is trying to get Max to join his team because he recognizes that Max has skills or whatever. But when Max realizes that it's only him and not his friends being invited, he kind of rejects the offer. And of course, that escalates because Bradley doesn't accept rejection. And then Bray Girl comes in and basically gets the whole, like, poetry club bar or whatever, like, snapping yeah. um, intimidatingly at, at Bradley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, she's, she starts snapping. Everyone starts snapping around and they're just snapping at him and he hates it so much. Well, and actually, that's the way they, instead of applauding, they snap. So yes. when she had finished her performance, everyone was snapping. So, yeah, for her to turn that into a, you know, almost like, I don't know, intimidation. It was yeah. so, so great. And she's also dressed all in black. And I think she has, didn't she have red lipstick? Yes. And it's, it's just, she is just awesome. She's very, the animators clearly know that she's attractive, is I guess how I will put it. <laughs> um, and it's clear why I've still seen references to her on the internet, despite her never having a name both because of how she's drawn and animated and because she has a strong personality despite not getting a name. Yeah, mm-hmm. this isn't like a, a one-off character. You see her in there to set the scene and then she's never there. Yeah, or even like she disappears after helping with the scene where she's most plot relevant. No, she, she keeps up showing up. In a handful of scenes. Yeah, PJ, and- PJ ultimately ends up being the one who knows how, how to talk to her and they kind of... There's never ever like an official, they're dating, but they end up hanging out more and more and PJ starts dressing kind of like her. Well, she also, I think she like leaned in and kissed him and she was like, uh, you you know, I don't don't remember if she ever kissed him. I don't don't think think she kissed him. I know she was at least laying her head on his shoulder. Oh yeah. And she was dancing real close to him and stuff. So I mean, anyway, yeah, it seemed like they were possibly, you know, a possible item, which I just love. They've at least grown closer. Yeah. Because I mean, out of the group, it's so cute that, yeah, that PJ and, and she, and then it was also interesting to me as far as story plot, you know, characters is that we really didn't get much of Pete in this. No, he's, he's a pretty minimal presence though. He is, his usage definitely still correlates with how he's used in the original and yes. that he's there to give bad advice. Yes, <laughs> yes, he's yes. there to have the wrong opinion on situations. He's there in the beginning to be like, oh, I'm happy my kid's leaving. <laughs> he can't leave fast enough during a period where Goofy is obviously not feeling that. And then he's there again later to basically be like, who needs schools? Schools for losers. His usage is definitely more blunt and less interesting Mm -hmm. than his usage in Goofy Movie, where how he is in Goofy Movie, the original, you can be like, yes, I know a dad that's like that. I know a dad who thinks that way, who thinks that like respect and intimidation is what's important for a dad to have when it comes to how his children see him. But like, in this one, he's kind of more of, of a caricature of like just who needs schools, schools for chumps. And it's like, okay, yeah, of course you're going to say that in this scene where Goofy's considering not going to school anymore. Or, yeah, I'm so happy my kid's leaving. And it's like, it does work for Pete, but it's not, it's not very subtle, let's say. Yeah. And not that Pete was the most subtle before, but the, especially since one of our favorite scenes from Goofy Movie was the hot tub scene right. that has a lot of interesting layers where it's not just him 
telling Goofy that, you know, his his son's lying to him and stuff. But like that that scene of like my my son respects me, you know, that there's there's layers of subtlety there and and things that feel real. Whereas here it's kind of just like, sure, stereotypical Pete kind of sucks in an amusing way in this one. Yeah. Which is fine, but it definitely speaks to the emotional layer that this movie is operating on compared to its predecessor. Just to say, a lot more shallow. The transition between Goofy at the unemployment office and Goofy arriving at college is, like, really quick. I kind of expected, like, another scene there, like, between between those two things. Um, but no, he's just, like, told, you gotta go to college, and seems, like, not sure about that, and then suddenly he's at college. So, okay, sure. Yeah, that whole... I, I, I mean, the premise is obnoxious. In that sense, it's like, oh, I can't help you. You have to do this. Yeah, which is, like, obviously a plot contrivance. Yeah. And it's also not exactly how it works. But it does perhaps work even better now than it did then in that a lot of jobs won't hire you or will pay you barely anything if they do hire you if you don't have a college education. Like, more and more college education is becoming a thing that is expected as the minimum rather than like and some extra qualifiers you know and it kind of just it's indicative of how the world and has has changed our society in particular has changed with how it views higher education um and and so it does ring true in that sense in the sense that things have changed since the 70s when goof could go to school not finish it and still get jobs fine um but it's also obviously a plot contrivance and not exactly how an unemployment office works right you know yeah and and that question of oh he was working at the department store before Mm, and he seemed pretty competent there i mean honestly it could be as simple as he got laid off because they needed to make budget cuts you know what i'm saying sure there's any number of reasons he could not be working there anymore yeah um, so some, some kind of, at least for me, annoyance on the setup of how things were different in order to move the plot forward. Sure. Yeah. And of course, you know, just little things like it's not how a college would work. If he had one year to go, he would be a senior in college. He would not be in all the same classes as Max as a yeah, freshman, you know, you know, makes no sense. <laughs> but then also later there's a test that's like explain the universe or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. It's clearly working on some level of cartoon logic. Yeah. Um, yeah. They all take ex- exams, you know, in the same place and whatever. Yeah. Valerie could not handle when Goofy arrived and was embarrassing his son publicly. Yeah. I, I guess. Uh, Valerie has a really hard time with those sorts of scenes, I think. Correlation, not correlation. Uh, yeah, I guess the, the, like, leaning heavy on the 70s was so not, like, not telegraphed that the main thing that would telegraph it was the line in the unemployment office of, like, I haven't been to college since the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Which then feels conspicuously just attempting to set that up, but it's barely before it happens. Yeah, like... Leaning on that and it being such... Uh, like, it read to me who has seen the movie and remembers that Goofy goes full 70s. I was like, oh, this is them trying to set that up. But if you haven't seen... The, if you're watching the movie for the first time, it's just like, 
a random thing of like, yeah, okay, he went to school in the 70s, sure. And then... Yeah, when he said that, to me, I'm like, okay, why did he stop going to school? Is it because Max was born? Don't think oh, it's ever addressed, Oh, he's it? too young for that to be the case. So what was it? And then, of course, in all of this, and then it's like, wait, what about Max's mom? Are you ever going to hear about her? Spoiler, no. <laughs> um, so, so it brought up a lot of other questions that pulled me out of the film. And then for it to come back around to like, oh, and then he's like treating it like the 70s. Uh, and it's like, I oh, I guess, okay. And then it being important to another character in the film is like, uh, okay, sure, you decided this. The other character in the film being Sylvia, who's introduced, like, halfway through the movie, like, relatively late. Later than Beret Girl, who never gets a name. But she's the librarian at school, and she and Goofy immediately hit it off after Max introduces them in an attempt to get Goofy off of his back. Um, they they just immediately, they bond over loving 70s ring. nostalgia stuff, because um, they're clearly just both of that generation and they just immediately start like going on dates and stuff yeah i guess just like too too many contrivances nothing set it set up in an organic way yeah that it 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 pulled me out of the film a lot for like oh is that a mood ring and it's like oh i guess goofy is wearing a mood ring yeah like max introducing them is organic and has this setup of oh max is trying to get out of this situation he's looking around he sees oh what if i get him a library card or something and maybe he gets stuck talking to someone like you can see how that but then the mood ring has no setup like there's no previous looking at the mood ring or any like yeah, there's there's various things throughout the movie, including that, that just kind of either have barely set up any setup, like the 70s thing, which is set up like literally the scene before it, yeah. or just absolutely no setup. Like, they both have mood rings. Yeah, okay. Like, maybe yeah. have a scene where Goofy is suiting up for school and is like, okay, like pulling in these pieces where you're slowly like oh no oh no and he's like <laughs> that would have been forget funny the mood ring or something yeah oh, that would have been good that would have been just, good just something yeah. and that would kind of put that scene in between yes the dmv and college i also like at one point someone had a line i don't remember if it was pj or the friend the the, the bobby. cheese guy bobby, bobby. Yeah. But anyway, they're the only ones that have gloves, uh, Goofy and, and them. And at one point, he's like, how come we have gloves? It you was know? Bobby. Oh, was it Bobby? But yeah, I know no one at the college, no he's one. Like, they ever, don't have gloves. Why, why are we wearing, some, why some, do we always wear gloves? The guys do. The girls, no, the guys do. But, oh, you mean the other, other people? Guy, other characters oh, do. Oh, I did not notice that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it it's just, just sort of a them. rule of that universe, yeah. Except for girls. Well, that guy, yeah. w- was the rival guy, did he have? gloves i think so i have ma- I'm not, maybe I'm not i don't remember sure. him having or his but a lot of char- a lot of characters oh okay well yeah. that's good to know i'll have to watch for that next yeah, time yeah pete I- definitely does like okay yeah. when it switched to scene i was looking at some background characters and it's like oh yeah these oh, okay. guys have gloves okay, okay got, it, got it yeah it's not every single character but there's a lot of characters that do okay. and most of the exceptions are women for whatever reason yeah. just because they want to show petite hands minnie's like i don't need to show petite hands <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, one of my notes is just that Goofy and Sylvia definitely get down, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, 
just saying they have the hustle they have chemistry um (laughs) and they're clearly there's that scene where she's like giving him a bunch of kisses in the library and i'm like yeah what are you doing when you're not in a public space anyways (laughs) um They're silly, but no, they dance. They, no. they, oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. And we'll, yeah, we'll talk about music, but I. It's I definitely, definitely like, it's, it's, if not like a manic pixie dream girl, like a definitely, it's definitely a very much, oh, the perfect girl for Goofy just happens to be here and they immediately hit it off. But she is a fairly cute character. Like, I yes. don't hate her, even if it's pretty shallow, her, her just sudden introduction and clear purpose behind it. I liked when Goofy said, oh, gosh, Maxie's in trouble. And then Max, who can't hear him because he's talking like on a microphone far away, says, Dad, relax. I'm not in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) It was a really cute like thing indicative of their relationship that Max is just like, I know that I'm announcing that I uh, like saying Dad over the thing. And he's immediately going to be like, oh, no, he's in trouble. And it's like, no. Not in trouble. Just need your help. <laughs> it was very cute. Yeah. Um, anything else with kind of the plot characters before we talk about voice acting? Let's talk some about the voice acting. First, I just want to go ahead and mention uh, our good friend Jim Cummings is, is in here voicing not only Pete, but Goofy's boss at the local toy factory, a member of the Gammas who wear sunglasses, a professor, and a tour guide at the college. Sure. <laughs> and um, Jeff Bennett, is uh, who is one of those guys that I've mentioned to you guys several times, but he doesn't really voice like the big main characters most of the time. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> Anyways, he's here, and he is Bradley Uppercrust the Third, okay. the Unemployment Lady, Chuck the Sportscaster, okay. Ken Clark, a diminutive member of the Gammas, and an X Games referee. So, oh, goodness. Okay. He's was in here he, a lot. Was there, he the one at the top of the thing? like uh, The referee who's like, yeah, I gotta go. Got, yeah, that's yeah. 100% him, yes. Um, so he's, he's got in, the rain. He's in here a bunch. Um Sylvia Marple is voiced by Bebe Newworth, um, who, of course, played Dr. Lilith Stemmen, uh, Fraser Crane's wife in Cheers and oh, the spinoff okay. series. Okay, okay. okay. Um, Tank, uh, the number two uh, to, to Bradley, is voiced his right by... His right-hand arm man. His right-hand arm man <laughs> is voiced by Brad Garrett, and, who, of course, played Robert Barone, Raymond's brother on Everybody Loves Raymond, among mm-hmm. many other roles. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then um, a couple of random college students were voiced by Kath Susie, Jenna Von Oy, and Cree Summer. Ah, Cree. Uh, Kath Susie is a prolific voice actress who has voiced, among other roles, uh, Lola Bunny, Fifi LaFume from Tiny Toon Adventures, Dexter's Mom from Dexter's Laboratory, mm-hmm. Maddie Fenton and Danny Phantom, Phil, Lil, and Betty, the mom, DeVille <laughs> from Rugrats, Sally Acorn in Sonic the Hedgehog, and Kanga in the Winnie the Pooh franchise. Mm. So, Prolific. lots. <laughs> uh, Jenna Von Oy, of course, voiced Stacy, Roxanne's friend in the original Goofy movie, so she gets to be in here again. Who's Green Dress Girl? Do you know? Who's what? Green dress girl. So she was. I'm not sure which of them it is. Okay. Uh, I don't think it was Cree Summer because Cree has a pretty recognizable voice, but I also didn't notice Cree in here. So she's probably just a very background person. But Cree Summer is also, of course, a prolific voice actress who is known, among other roles, for playing Elmira Duff from Tiny Toons, Susie Carmichael from Rugrats, Princess Kita from Atlantis, um, and Number Five from Codename Kids Next Door. Um, she has a very recognizable voice, but I didn't notice her 
So probably not anyone who talked a lot. I don't know. She could have been green dress. Possibly. Because yeah, I'm not sure of, which of the three it was. I think of those go back to Cree's list. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. It's been a while since I've heard Elmira. Elmira is... I know who Elmira is. No, I know, but like, I'm trying to... Her voice is kind of Susie Carmichael, but like more baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I guess there were... Of course, lots of girl characters on this campus, The but the main one besides Beret Girl would be this uh, green dress girl who was uh, uh, was going to maybe sit by Max uh, in, in his classroom, but Goofy sat there. Oh, I was thinking of a different girl. I understand. And then that also been was in the club. Yeah, you're right. That, that I think that was been. the same girl. I was thinking of the girl who's like, oh, you're, you're mm. Goofy's son or whatever. But yeah, you're right. That might have been. I don't know. Yeah. We got we got a lot more Polly Shore this time. Oh, yeah. Polly Shore. Like, he Bobby sh- is a lot more prominent here. He sure said some stuff. Yes. <laughs> he sure had some words to say. Uh, I wonder how much he ad-libbed. Uh, it, it was... It wasn't... It wasn't too, too much. Like... Yeah. It know. was it was a decent amount of more Bobby. He's an over-the-top character. I, I can see it easily going too far... I think it was near the edge of tolerable. <laughs> it's a, it's especially like because like PJ gets to show him up or whatever, so it's not like uh, Bobby is just the the fun wacky one who always gives has the upper hand and is so cool. It's like he's the dork friend, and this girl that he likes is like no, no thanks. Like there's some some temperance there, so yeah. that I think makes him tolerable. Let's talk some about animation. I, I, one of my notes is just, I can't with Bradley's expressions. Yeah, I think they did a good, a good job with He how... looks really manic all the time. Yeah, like what a <laughs> short And he reminds me he of some, another character from something and I can't, oh, I know what it is. He reminds me of the Grinch, the animated Grinch, the way they do his mouth sometimes. Um, almost like that, that small, but his is much more easy. It just looks evil or, you know, whatever. But the, the shape of his mouth with his jaw somehow, anyway, just Grinch vibes for me. I sort of see it, but I think he's definitely more expressive than the Grinch typically. The Grinch is like frowning a lot. Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't feel like Bradley's frowning all the time so much as he's got this like teeth clenched vibe all the time. And his eyes do a lot too. Bug eyes like constantly. Yeah. He's he's got a real short fuse. Not that he gets angry all the time, but you can tell like if things don't go exactly how he wants it, he's feeling a way about it. Yeah. And a lot of times once it like tips over like, oh, this isn't going my way. He doesn't like blow up so much as he like turns on this like, oh, well, you know, if you want, like, like kind of this weird charm that can also sometimes just turn into pure insults. But like, he tries to kind of play it cool, whether he goes the continuing to charm them route or the start making fun of them root rather than explode. But then like stuff like the snapping will happen. That doesn't make I know. Explode. I was just going to say the snapping. Because, yeah. Because, and then just the transformation on his face is like, that's bugging me. Or I, yeah. I forgot what his line exactly was, but it was really hilarious. Um, I found it interesting that Bobby was wearing pink underclothes when they were chilling in, in the dorm yeah. room. <laughs> Honestly, that I, whole thing with like, yes, we're in our underwear. I'm like, yeah. I could do without this. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have some shorts on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you think that 
this movie is... Um, <laughs> do you really want to say this? I do want to say this. Mm. I'm trying to think of how I do want I to say this. Do I want to hear this, though? Do you think that it is foundational no. to some people um, in terms of... Do you think a lot of people are like, Max Goof is hot? Because I think they do. I mean, maybe I and I think don't. And I think some of those same people enjoyed the scene is, I guess, what I'm saying. I just don't... I mean, I don't feel that way. I'm just like, shorts, please, like... They didn't have to be briefs. You could have did boxers, and I think I would have been less yeah, on yeah, edge yeah. about this scene. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's just they're yeah, not boxer yeah. guys, Too much you know. So or it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tidy whiteies and yeah, uh, I yeah. think they were like purple. Were they pink or purple? And I don't. Uh, the top was pink, and the bottom was a little more purplish. Yeah, yeah. Um. Interesting setup too. So they're 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 roomed. I guess it's not a dorm room because I feel like it would be four people to the room, but they had just the three of them with a bunk bed, and Max gets a bed. So obviously he's the head of the group, which we knew already, but, right? But is very established with his. I take the single bed, and you guys get the bunks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So so that's an interesting reflection of their. Their hierarchy. <laughs> Did you guys notice the guy in the background who's just wearing Goofy's typical clothes, including a green hat and a and a vest and stuff? No. Yeah, there's just totally a guy. It's I think in particularly in the scene where they're just kind of doing some stuff on the big U or whatever, and that's where Goofy the first. Yeah, where that's where Goofy like first does some of it or whatever. It's like kind of during that scene. He's like way in the background at one point, but then there's a one there's a, a scene at at the bottom of the half pipe or whatever where he's just kind of like there. Yeah. Like, hello. I said half pipe. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the skate ramp. Uh, but yes, I don't know that. That's yeah, very funny. I, I appreciated that. Um, and then I also appreciated that one of Bradley's guys looks like he's literally just the son of Bigfoot from the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like Bigfoot like has a, a dog, a human dog person wife or something. And like, this is their son. Because like, <laughs> the that. family resemblance is clear. He's like... Son, you gotta go to college. <laughs> I'm so glad that you said that because initially I was thinking vibe of like one of the monkeys from Powerpuff Girls when Mojo Jojo created the monkey army. But then, no, you're right. It was more Bigfoot. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, he no. looks a lot like Bigfoot yeah. from the first movie. You brought yeah. up Powerpuff Girls, but I was thinking one of the guys from the Gang Green Gang. Oh, uh, mm. sure, sure. Uh, but but yes. A weird looking dude did not connect it to the. Um, but now you're like, oh, I, I know, see it. I, d- yeah. I totally see it. I totally see it now. Yeah. Um, I also thought that the announcer guy, um, the the kind of big, more pompous one who ends up being in the balloon later, his animation was really reminiscent to me of the genie actually from Aladdin. Mm-hmm. He has kind of the same face shape with the really big lower jaw, and so he would make a lot of expressions that particularly reminded me of how Genie's animated in the third Aladdin movie. Yeah, and whoever that... Which could very well, given I think they were both worked on by the same studios... Makes sense. Like, it could be a a similar person, like a same person doing the animation. Well, and I know you you named that voice actor, and I forgot who you said. Jeff Bennett. Okay, but to me, he made himself sound kind of like Robin Williams as the announcer. I guess maybe he felt more to me like his kind of... Like, he was the narrator or the uh, in uh, Earthworm Jim, and it was kind of like... Just this big, loud 
I'm talking to you voice. It kind of just felt like, more like that voice that I've heard him do before. Um, I can see some vibes, but I, I, I mostly, it mostly felt similar to me of some of his own other works. Yeah, the the CG in this was a bit more obvious than when they used it in the original film. Yeah, not uh, terrible, but for the vehicles, the I think the blimp was probably the most. I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. Obvious. There was a uh, another vehicle at the end of the film that looked pretty good. Also, oh, the. Uh, there was a scene at at a, a club, club rave. <laughs> club rave, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, where uh, Goofy bribes the uh, DJ to play some disco, and so we get to see Goofy and yes. um, Goofy and Sylvia dance. I think the animation there was really good. Like mm-hmm. the the dancing was pretty fluid for those two. They had a crowd scene that they were all doing the same thing, so. That was, you know, less impressive, I guess. But there was also an interesting angle that was, uh, I think that was CG, the way that they got the Maybe. angle from above. But for those two, at least for Sylvia and Goofy, I, I thought that looked really good. Yeah, and I know this kind of goes a little bit back to story, but I like how how well Goofy danced and how, how he just owned the stage and and how they did that as opposed to him having tripped or done something to, yeah. to be clumsy. I like how he was just, yeah, just really rocked that, I th- rocked that whole, whole dance. I think the animators felt really confident and enjoyed making them dance too, given that they then made them dance again at the, at the beginning of the credits. So and it was so cute. I yeah, liked it's it. Very, it was very yeah. cute. Uh, I, I thinking about, Oh, he's so, you know, confident and dancing. Kind of makes me extrapolate to it's like, oh, yeah, like this is when he he was young. He was most confident. He might have been, you know, similar to Max at that age. Yeah. (laughs) Such that uh, poor Max is like, well, you know, I was cool on a skateboard. And if when I'm older and maybe less cool, you see me on that, you'd be like, oh, there's a hint of, you know, who you were in your youth. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what was it? I, once, uh, when I was young, I was with it, but then it changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Goofy's dream sequence does not hold a candle to Max's from the original movie, is is what I'll say mm, about that okay. scene. It's fine. It's, but it's kind of just weird and feels baffling. more like Goofy's on some sort of drug trip. Yes. Um, but also like I don't there's some obvious symbolism in it but it's just kind of clumsy and not that interesting to mm-hmm. look at but well, okay the only I do agree as far as the action and I didn't really like the actual dream sequence itself but what I did love is like I immediately they had it to the song um, come on get happy from the Partridge Family <laughs> this shows my age but I used to really like to watch that sitcom the Partridge Family and what I love is when, of course, when you do that into the to the the '70s, the outfit they had him in a '70s and the, those bell bottom pants, which of course the whole Partridge family did, and and they would sing that song like a lot, and you'd see them all in their bell bottom pants, and then they they would do like a dance together. Just so I was really I was really envisioning and and just just tickled. It's taking you yeah, back a I little know, bit. I know, I know. I really liked it because of that. I love you, Dork. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean, just f- 
functionally, it just was was weaker than the first dream, like you said. The first one set the tone for the film, gave you an idea of his, you know, uh, wants, his fears. This one, I mean, yeah, I guess it does the same thing, but it it's in the middle of the film. It breaks up the momentum. And we, like, pretty much already know all of that. Yeah, Like, yeah. Max's dream is, at, like you said, at the very beginning, and so it's an establishing thing going into the rest of the movie. Whereas, yeah, this is halfway through the movie, and we basically already know all the information it's giving us. Like, I, it's just not that interesting. Unless you're a Partridge fan. And it's not, it's, not, <laughs> it's not nearly as visually interesting either, like, yeah. on the animation front, which is, like... The animation is not as strong in this movie overall, so that's not super surprising, but they were there was clearly an indication of them trying to go a little outside of the realm of the rest of the movie with it, but it just didn't really do so in a very interesting way. Yeah, it didn't work. I don't think, again, like we said in the first one, that there's a lot of point in talking about a live-action version of a movie based on a classic cartoon character, so I don't feel like we need to spend any time there. Sure. Because we need to spend some time on sound design. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I have a couple notes. Um, My first one is the the music in the beginning part, uh, where they're having having their uh, lunch outside at, at Pete's or whatever, feels really generic. Uh, then I had another one. The music choices in this movie suck, which I uh, wrote while the ska music was loudly playing while Max uh, and his buddies were arriving at college and we were seeing all of the college houses and stuff. <laughs> and then I put, I really can't handle the music, which I wrote during the scene where Sylvia and Goofy are at the park after they've danced. And it's just really just loud, clumsy love music. It's just... The music in this movie, and I'm not even talking about like the actual song, the actual songs that are thrown in, which uh, varyingly work or don't work. But the actual score in this movie, uh, it's just it sounds like music that you could buy from a site, like licensed music that you could just like, yeah, pay someone some money to put this in your product rather than like anything composed specifically for this film. Does that make sense? It feels like music that you could easily take out of this, put into another movie for a similar emotion scene. And it also would work equally as boringly. It's just not good. Um, Sorry, Steve Bartek, because I'm sure there's lots of like, I'm sure to some degree, like you have a minimal amount of time and effort uh, to put into any given product. I just feel like you did a bad job here is what I'm going to say. It it doesn't most of it works okay enough, but a lot of it just feels really clumsy and plotting and like oftentimes a little too loud. The the thing that got me was there was a kind of studying montage for Goofy after he realized he needs to focus up and get his diploma. And so uh, him and Sylvia were, uh, Sylvia was helping him study and like push him forward. And there was some music playing. Uh, I I forget it was, it must've been a song. It was some song. There's so many songs. Or some composed thing. I don't, I don't recall what what it was. No one sings in this movie, like in the original, but there's just a lot of like, 
random like it's jukebox yeah just different jukebox songs just thrown in there for for things and yeah it was a kind of eye of the tiger feeling ish montage uh, there where he's studying or whatever yeah and so she's helping him along and she has this megaphone or she's talking to him and so you can the way that it's mixed is very weird like you can hear her talking but you it's hard to hear what she's saying but what she's saying doesn't really matter. Like, you know that she is there Encouraging to support him. him yeah. yeah. So so I think you just shouldn't have that. Because it's not like he's talking. So so it's it's there's not a balance of, oh, they're conversing. Yeah. Like, usually for the montages, I mean, it, it varies if you hear them or not. But in this case, it felt like they... They couldn't make a decision, so it was somewhere in between, and that yeah, in if, between. Was if you no hear good. them, they're typically shouting, like it's like a, a "go get him" or whatever. Like there's some sort of like loud thing said because loud music is playing that usually has lyrics. Yeah. But here she's like softly like whispering, basically, and it's weird. Yeah, it's like have it or don't. And I think in this case, it probably should have been don't have yeah. her speaking. And so that that scene particularly, I was like, why? why? Yeah, it was a weird choice. it happened a couple of times. And I was like, just don't do it. Just don't have her talk. Yeah. And it almost also reminded me of that they were trying to do like a Rocky montage. Well, yeah, that was the clear like vibe of it. So, yeah, I mean, it was already a a stereotypical and kind of boring scene in, in conception because it's just a pastiche of a thing that 50 other things have done a pastiche of yeah even by 2000 and like even more so now by 2022 but like uh, even in 2000 that people had imitated rocky over and over again like which made no sense in this context because he was studying he's buckling down and he's and he's (laughs) studying real hard i mean you can do that in like Make it comical. Like, it is kind of that subversion. It can be a joke. But they they didn't do a great job with that. If you... When you were talking about the score and the, like, ska music, I don't... I don't <laughs> and I like ska music. I would like to make that clear. No, no. that that That's fine. I, but I guess it didn't... Not that it didn't bother me. But, but what made me think about it is... That how how good Monsters Inc. Universe or Monsters University did with the music, because mm. it it so harkened back to the eighties like college movie music. Yeah, and it, like it's just close enough to to hit that nostalgia. That yeah, like it's a shame that yeah, just just a few minutes of thought can. We'd probably go a long way to, to making the score really work for a film rather than against yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think it's also just probably not surprising that any Pixar film has a little more effort and thought put into its yeah. the elements of its composition for than sure. a direct-to-video Disney sequel, which doesn't give it a pass. It's just not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, I the music in both Monsters, Inc. films is excellent and... I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people hate Monsters University, but I enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, it's I not, do too. It's not the sequel that any of us wanted from another Monsters Inc. movie, but it's enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, not not to uh, be a Monsters University apologist. Anyways, <laughs> let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? 
Not sure about that outfit Goofy's in at the very beginning mm-hmm. with the, like, turban. Um, just feels like maybe he probably shouldn't. And maybe, like, that scene just shouldn't have been there because what, why was it yeah. there? Uh, Could have just had the white thing, a white screen, the title comes on and then Max smashes through it. Like, we didn't need the weird gong thing. Also, not sure about the whole Afro gag later in the movie. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. It's just kind of like Goofy has this big, silly hair. I guess it feels like it's just like, aren't Afros silly and funny rather than like actual people like have Afros? You know what I'm saying? But instead, it's just this thing that like Goofy has and it's a dumb wig that Max throws away. And then, oh, his silly friend puts it on again, too, and looks silly. Yeah, Uh, it's just it's not like the most egregious thing, but it's just. Yeah, I I can see what you're saying. Yeah. And and, like, I was thinking, oh, this is kind of another thing that is obtrusive. But then again, you say like, oh, so there's like somebody's actual hair you're seeing is obtrusive and funny. So yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that definitely from the 70s, you know, in in, like Mod Squad or others, yeah, they had very large afros. But I mean, unless you are clearly... I know we've we've discussed this or alluded to this before, unless you are black coating Goofy and and Max. But then you're pretty clearly not because it's just a a wig. Exactly. So it's like a wig that like we've never seen him wear that Max is like, you look ridiculous in it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The other thing is they had what what was the um the enemy, the the guy, uh, Bradley. Bradley. Oh, do you want to talk about the transphobic gag? Is that where you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's a stupid transphobic gag where uh, Max is like going quick or something and it makes Bradley and another girl like switch outfits and makeup for some reason because of the speed or whatever. And so he just like looks ridiculous in girl clothes and makeup is the joke, which is a trans misogynist joke. Yeah. The girl laughs at him and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, uh, vaguely similarly, one of the, one of the Gamma crew is this old lady, Mm. when they do the old lady, uh... Oh, yes. Cheat. Yeah, yeah, is dressed up as an old lady, while the guy who looks like Bigfoot's son, like, walks her across the street, except the street is, like, where they're racing. Yeah, but this old lady, the character, has, you know, facial hair and had, like, a goatee situation. Yeah. Yeah. So. The the old guy on the bench didn't seem bothered by that though. Nope. So. So so yeah, just some. Yeah, just some, didn't need to be there. It's just all of these quote unquote jokes are just like they're not very funny to begin with. Like they're lazy and tired. Like they've been done before, and they weren't done very well here. And they're also just from the root not very good jokes. Yeah, it could have like, been something different. It, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I've been watching a lot of classic cartoons lately, and so, like, I have mixed feelings about Bugs and how he cross-dresses all the time, but at least, like, that's his choice, and it's not ever a thing that's, like, shown as him looking ridiculous. It more leans into the he's tricking people thing, which is also kind of a harmful trope, but, like... That's at least the idea of bugs dressing up can be rehabilitated, whereas this is like a, uh oh, this this guy just ended up dressed as a girl all of a sudden, and he looks stupid and ridiculous, and that's just always like a boring joke that for what has been done a whole bunch before this movie, and is also not done well here, and is also not funny. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then also, well, I mean, we've been talking about just the fact that there is this main character, or even secondary character, who does not get a name. This just beat Bray girl. Bray girl, that's right. I was thinking beatnik girl, but yeah. Who is... She's prominent enough to be one of the ones that gets to have a little dance in the opening credit and the closing uh, beginning of the credits. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, she she has a whole like performance. She is part of uh, telling off Bradley. She is part of a scene where Max is like, I'm going to transfer out. And she's she she does the role of uh in Legally Blonde, where the teacher's like, you know, you're not the girl I thought you were. Yeah. Uh, she's like, you know, if you... Uh, I forget what she said, but basically, like, if you run away, like, defeat is is gonna have you as a Yeah, lover. she, so she said it poetically. She's, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> Queen. Uh, but but she, she doesn't get a name. There's no thing, like, in the in the club when she's talking to Pete, she... He doesn't ask her name. She doesn't say, like, or not Pete, PJ. Like, no, nothing is exchanged I don't know why there. you guys keep calling him Pete. Like, I know. It is te- oh, yeah. technically his name is Pete Jr., but everyone just calls him PJ. I, know. I don't know. I it's just, just think, funny just that you guys do it. Little, little Pete. Little Pete. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when she's talking to PJ. Yeah. Like. She's prominent in the yeah, movie. She matters. And yet. She's arguably. I don't know if she's more prominent, but she's at least equally as prominent as Sylvia. Sylvia is maybe in more of the movie after she appears, but she isn't in the first half and and Bray Girl is. Like, she's a prominent character. Yeah. It's upsetting that she doesn't have a name, and we're not going to forgive you guys. Yeah, like, the, I mean, there's no reason not to. It's not a part of her character to, to eschew naming. Yeah. It's like... Bianca, Beatrice, anything. You could allude to the fact that you call her Beret Girl if that's like a funny haha joke for you guys. Yeah. You uh, animators and people who work on it that are listening to this. Yeah, you know how everyone who works on the movies we watch also listens to this. us talk about sure. it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, why, why not name her? I don't know. Let's go on to our spoiler alert. Skip to. One hour and 56 seconds. Here's a fun fact. Following the September 11th attacks, (laughs) which is always a fun way to start a sentence. Oh, no. The scene in which Goofy rescues Max and Tank from under the Burning X Games logo structure was removed from television broadcasts of the film. The scene remains in all other versions of the movie, but the broadcast version skips the scene entirely to show them skating out of the wreckage, which when I wrote, when I first copy pasted that in here... I didn't. I hadn't seen the movie in a bit, so I didn't really remember what that scene was about. But now, having watched the movie, that's crazy. That's kind of like an important scene because it's where Tank like turns on his his mentor and like Goofy and Max work together to help him and stuff. Like it's a pretty important scene to just cut because the big stupid X falls over and is on fire. It doesn't look like a tower that has people like. God, we were sensitive after 9-11, and it's endlessly stupid to me. Yeah, that's that's a lot of, like, 
emotional development to remove from a film. It's really baffling. Mm. Um, and maybe they didn't like the fact that uh, the 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 guy, the gamma guy, was underneath, and they had to lift rubble off of him. But still, I mean, again, it it didn't look like you didn't have an imploding building or anything like that. It was enough, apparently. I like that PJ more or less gets a girlfriend while Bobby, who tries briefly to get her, ultimately stays true to his one true love, which is Cheese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ultimately, at the end of the movie, we see that him and Cheese are still doing fine and going strong. They had a little bit of a rough patch where he was looking for someone else, but ultimately him and Cheese are still but together. But yeah, Cheese grew up and instead of being Cheese Whiz, decided to be like a Cheese pizza. Yeah, character yeah, development. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then I like, even though that, again, Max is the most prominent out of their little group, but again, still PJ gets the girl, so to speak. So I love I'm glad that. that we didn't have to introduce a love interest for Max. I know. We already have too many. And we would have hated her because she's not Roxanne. <laughs> uh, I'm still mad Roxanne isn't in the movie. Even if she wasn't prominent, just put her in the background or something. Or she like says, hi, Max, but she's doing her own thing. And maybe there's a sense that they broke up and it's awkward, but at least she's there. Or yeah. still existing. Weren't there together, but she went off to a different college and they're yeah. like calling each other. That would um, just be, like, see, I would have liked that. Emotional support or like good luck. And then yeah. she's there at the. Maybe she's the one telling Max, like, hey, like, you should cut your dad some slack in certain points so that at the end, whenever it's the big X game, she's there. And then she's like, so Goofy, go help You're him or so something. Sad. That's what Babe, you want. You need that. You've made this movie infinitely worse than it was because it could have been that. Yeah, like she didn't, <laughs> you didn't have to take her away. It's not like you paired her, paired him up with anybody else. Yeah. So frustrating. Is there anything else in spoilers you guys actually want to discuss? We didn't, like, describe it, but we don't have to always describe every part of a movie. People can see it for themselves. Other than it just always gets me how, you know, that Bradley and and the Gammas, they do all this cheating. And this is also being very well televised. And they have a big blimp flying overhead, but no one sees all of the sabotage. No one, you know, sees even, for example, like when they had Goofy uh, and put, whatever uh rockets on his skateboard no one can see that apparently <laughs> yeah they <laughs> they like okay they nod to the fact where one of the crew was like hey guys mickey's over there oh and yes. everybody oh, turns about away that. that was so funny and they changed the course and it's like yeah. okay so people could see this you you think that was feasible for them to see so you make them turn away yeah. but everything else no, nobody's going to notice. Yeah. Ultimately, ultimately, it's a cartoon and Bradley has money and can pay people off. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's silly, but it's also like the last movie had a whole climactic scene where they went off a waterfall and saved each other with like fishing equipment and Goofy's pants inflating in the wind or whatever. Like... They're not the most realistic of films. Sure. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I do like... It's, it's hardly a criticism that I would lobby with any particular weight towards the film. <laughs> yes, yes. I do like Bradley ending the movie with a black eye because, uh, because Goofy threw the horseshoe at him. And then I also like 
the Gamma, his underling tank. Uh, t- tank turning on him. And even what they did there with that, you know, the difference of the size and even the shadow and him over, you know, powering him and all that. So, yeah. Um, oh, darn, what was I going to say? Got, yeah, so Bradley basically got his just desserts at the end. You You mentioned during the film, but I don't think you mentioned here. Uh, how long has the, has Gamma, have those guys been going to the school? That's a good question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. like, we won like six years in a row or something. Like, I'm kind of getting the vibe of like, this is a 30 year old man who should have been out of college already, <laughs> but he's kind he's like, this is the area where I excel. And so I stay. Yeah. Well, you just, it, sorry, so, y'all just saw, saw the film Luca. Uh, with the guy that kept winning the race. And oh yeah, oh, way, yeah, yeah, way too old. Yeah, that, yeah. That similar same kind vibes. Of vibe. Yeah, similar vibes. Yeah. No more spoilers. Let's go on to favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? If it's in spoilers, be vague. Um, I think it was the dream. Yeah, it was just so out there, mm. and I forgot to mention during animation, but the uh. The factory boss's design was just so nightmarish. Yeah. It makes sense for him to be in that dream. Uh, but no, yeah, overall. Not even used interestingly in the dream. No, not at all. Um, yeah. I, I, I think I agree, which, um, just to clarify, I mean, the thing that bothered me the most is the transphobic gag. But it was also, like, really qu- quick in a way. So it was like, oh, okay. And then it was gone. Whereas this dream was kind of just this long sequence that wasn't very entertaining. The best thing it had going for it was playing a catchy, well-known song. But, like, that wasn't enough. Well, that's why I can't pick it. I figured. <laughs> because I really love that Partridge song. I love the Partridge family. So, yes, I can't choose that one. I'm going to, it's a smaller or shorter scene. But I think what uh, the scene that I liked the least was in the library. And, of course, uh, Goofy, where they had him knocking over all mm-hmm. of the. Yeah, you don't like the wanton destruction. Yeah, I just don't like that. So, he ended up knocking, you know, all shelves. of a bunch of bookshelves over. So, yeah. What was your favorite scene in the movie? I think my favorite scene, I'm going to say, is Beret Girl. The whole scene in the club where she does not only her her theatrical bit, but then when she goes after Bradley and his group, um, you know, and, and has all of uh, the the club, you know, members do the snapping after him. I just love that whole thing. I think I'm going to go with a with a dancing sequence in the club. Uh, the animation was pretty good. Um, it looked like Goofy and Silvio were having fun. And you get a little bit of Pete and Beret Girl as well. I think that one. I think I'll go with uh, Beret Girl getting the the club to snap it, Bradley. <laughs> yeah. Who was your least favorite character in the movie? I think maybe I'm, I'm just going to say the maybe the fa- uh, Goofy's boss original boss just because he was so creepy and menacing and screamed too much yeah i guess it's not like any single main character is like particularly bad uh so i'm gonna go with the professor because his class looked boring and his (laughs) test that has like explained the universe that's (laughs) 
a dumb question. You know, babe, I'm glad you've provided me this opportunity. I'm going to go with that, too. Because I was struggling. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. There's bits I like about most of them. Even the creepy boss guy, I actually kind of dig the design. Really gnarly. He's so gnarly. Um, I actually do like the design of the professor, too. But for the reason that you stated, I will choose him. (laughs) Who was your favorite character in the movie? Um, Beret Girl. I was going to say Beret Girl. I just loved her whole vibe. I just loved her I think her literally all three of our favorite scenes and had her at least in the scene. Yeah. If not prominently. Yeah, like she's very silly with like just her whole thing. Her whole vibe. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, very like self-serious and like artsy. Yes. But she's great. Like yes. her her beat poetry again, just it's a lot and it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean I think I'd have to agree. Yeah, Bray Girl. She's just the best. Oh, give her a name. Please. I know. <laughs> um If Tim Curry were in the movie, who would he voice? Either the professor or the boss. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Because yeah. he could be he, really menacing as the boss. He too. could maybe be one of the gammas. Maybe he need to be really like old uh, yeah. I feel like he need to be notably <laughs> yeah. older, like because yeah. Tim Curry doesn't exactly sound like a, a young person. Yeah, not by two thousand. Um, but but I mean, Ray's brother was Tank. That's true. So- <laughs> yeah, I think I think the professor, the boss. Let's go on to our overall consensus and rating. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think this was fine to see the one time, but I don't I don't think I'd really recommend it. It doesn't do much for the relationships of the characters that we know. And then kind of the the one character that we really like isn't really served well by the film because they don't even give her a name. Uh, so I I think you should go on YouTube and assuming assumedly they have her performance somewhere on there and you can Heck watch yeah. that uh and just just get type her- extremely goofy goofy movie beret girl and watch any of the scenes it has of her yeah from <laughs> from the film I, I don't know there could be other stuff there i don't know i don't endorse that suggestion <laughs> specifically <laughs> i'd mean any of the scenes from the film yeah. okay sure um so so yeah i i don't think i really recommend the film but Overall, like, it wasn't the worst thing. Like, I think uh, some of the, what, all dogs sequels or something, it wasn't, it wasn't painful to watch in that way. You didn't even watch those. I didn't have to. I just got secondhand, (laughs) uh, just exasperation from both of you. (laughs) Still some of the worst stuff that we've seen. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like hot garbage or something. It was, it was pretty enjoyable overall. Are fairly enjoyable. I don't know. It, it was okay. Extremely okay is what you said. Yeah. <laughs> that works. I like that. Um, so I will give it a 2.5. I think I'm going to go 2.75 because it wasn't, um, it, it wasn't as problematic as the, the, um, the Neverland to, as far as how's it hold up and, and all of the, the issues, well, I guess that one didn't have have as much, sorry. But I still like it better, I think, than that. And to me, I'm going to lightly recommend. I don't think this has lots of 
rewatchability, but if you've never seen it, I think you'd enjoy it. So I, in that sense, I would recommend. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I'll lightly recommend it. I think I'll give it a 2.5, and it would have a 2.75 if even a modicum more effort had been put into the score. Mm. That's fair. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of enjoyable stuff in there, but it's not like a great film. Yeah. Thank you all very much for listening. Yes, thank you. And I would love for you all to join me on on any Tuesday on Twitch at 7 p.m., either CDT um, or CST, depending on the time of year. Um, but come watch. I'm in, in Season 2 playing uh, Witcher 3, my first playthrough. Backseating is welcome. And you will get to, in the chat, wonderful chat, including my beautiful, awesome daughter here and daughter-in-law. Uh, and yeah, lots of fun. So come join me on Tuesdays on Twitch. Yeah. Yes, please do. Oh, Nana Critter. Sorry. <laughs> Look for Nana Critter. <laughs> N-A-N-A-C-R-I-T-T-E-R. So. Yes. Next time, we will see two heroes most known for their live action exploits um, participate in a battle for Mountain Olympus. So join us then. Mm, okay. I looked and I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Until Bye. next time. Bye. Love y'all. Bye. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.